What is SCC? What does it mean to be part of Southport Church of Christ? So our vision here at Southport is about following Jesus, transforming lives. This is the mission Jesus calls us to, that we're not just a church of six pastors, but we're a church of over 600 ministers. doing today? Who here stayed up till 12 o'clock last night? All right, so I've got my eyes on you. If I see you nodding off in this sermon, that's it. Done. All right, got my eyes. Um, I hope you all had a good holiday season. Hopefully you've had um, a time that was filled with joy and um, uh, wonderful times of remembering Christ coming to earth. Maybe you've had a quiet time. Maybe you've read some good books. Uh, maybe you've watched some movies, maybe some Hallmark really corny movies. Um, maybe you've eaten too much ham and mangoes. I'm in that category. Uh, maybe you've had family staying, and maybe that's been a really lovely time, but maybe also it's been a week now and they're like fish and they're starting to go a little bit rotten and smelly. Don't know. Uh, of course, not my family. I love you. So glad you're here. Yeah. I'm joking, I do love them. Um, personally, I've really enjoyed uh, having some times of big group gatherings, of, of noise, of chaos, of presence opening, of, of multiple conversations happening, but I've also really enjoyed some quiet time, some withdrawal time, some, some time to just uh, be a little bit quieter, just be with my own little family. I uh, am what is called an extroverted introvert. Does anyone else identify with this phrase? Yes. So it means I love being with people, but I also get exhausted from it and I need some quiet time alone to recharge, which having two small children is a little bit difficult sometimes, but we make it happen. And over the years of working with people, uh, especially because I've had some very people-intensive jobs, I found myself vacillating between loving that I just get to work with people. I love that meeting up with people, talking to them, connecting with them is part of my job. And there are also times that I want to move away to the remotest part of Australia and work by myself and not talk to anyone for a while. Do you get that? Does anyone else resonate with that feeling? Yeah, yeah, okay, Steve definitely does. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think I'm alone in this. I don't think we're alone in this. Like, if you look on the internet, the memes that are out there, there's a theme of people saying about how they struggle with connecting with other people. You know, they don't, eh, don't really want to connect with people too much. People are a little bit, eh, you know. In the church, we're no different. We're no different. We say that we want connection, but the data tells us something different. It tells us that we are choosing more and more to loosen our ties with one another. Uh, in the McCrindle Research, which is a, a group that takes the data from the past census and tries to give eyes on it regarding the church in Australia, they said of the Australian population, while 61% of Australians most identify with Christianity, only 8% of Australians are considered regular attendees of a church. 
of a specific Christian community. Of those who do identify as a Christian church attendee, only 32% attend weekly or fortnightly. Another 6% attend monthly, but the other 62% attend quarterly, once a year, or once in a blue moon. Of course, I'm not referring to any of you because you're here on New Year's Day, so clearly, you know, this is not referring to you at all. But it does tell us that what we see as being a part of a regular commitment to a community, we have vastly different ideas on what that looks like. We've even changed in the census what it means to be a regular attendee. Uh, it used to mean that you went once a week, barring sickness or other things that just, um, you know, an emergency or something like that. But now to be a regular attendee means turning up once a month. And as a society, as a whole society of Australia, we've started to adopt a mindset that commitment to something only requires us being a part of it occasionally. When we feel like it, when it suits us, when there's not something else I'd prefer to be doing. Now, right now, I know the room has gone a bit silent. I am not trying to guilt you. I am not trying to shame you. I am not trying to say every one of us needs to come to church on Sunday more. That's the moral of this sermon. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. I'm sharing this data because I think it helps us more clearly to see the state of things. It is indicative of where our hearts as an Australian society and as the Christian church are at regarding meeting as Christian community. These facts are not to beat us over the head, but these facts are to help us reflect on the actual state of our own hearts, on where we are at regarding community, because it's only when we know where we're actually at that we can actually think about how we want to move forward. The research from McCrindle also showed that while people in general are disillusioned with church as an institution, they are spiritually hungry. And so there's this tendency we get, tend to see in the Western world, in church, uh, where we want to embrace Jesus, but reject the church, reject his church. And I don't mean the building or organisation, um, but I mean rejecting the need to be in part of an intentional community of believers. Some of you might be resonating with this, some of you might be going, oh, I don't like how close that's getting to my heart, or whatever. Some of you might even be going, why is this a big issue? We're saved by grace alone. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Our faith is personal. Our faith, we are not made Christians by going to church. So it should be fine to just do life with Jesus and no one else. And this way of thinking, it's really understandable. And it's common if being part of a church community in the past has left you hurt or left you um, depleted, or if you've seen abuses or failings of a church. Sometimes it feels a lot easier just to do life just with Jesus and not with the followers of Jesus. Whatever your thoughts about church, you're right in that we are saved by faith in Jesus alone, by his grace. As Ephesians 8 says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. But Christ, by his grace, also established his church. 
the community of believers as his bride, as his beloved. Not the organization, but the community. In Ephesians 5.25, it says, His husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Ephesians 1.22, I, I took the message version of this because I think it says it so beautifully. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. And as Philip Yancey says in the book, What is So Amazing About Grace? The vision of the church in the New Testament is a colony of heaven in a hostile world. While our faith is to be personal, it is not to be isolated. Jesus gave us the church, and as messy as it is, as much as you might have been hurt or disillusioned by it in the past, as much as you might be struggling to be a part of a Christian community, I want to invite you to wrestle with this today. Because if we are genuinely seeking to follow Jesus, we've got to wrestle with our feelings towards church and come to a new place that if church has been a chore, let God change our perspective to see it as a vehicle of his grace towards us. I really appreciate the honesty of uh, a writer, she's actually passed away now, called Rachel Held Evans. She's an American writer and she wrote this book, Searching for Sunday. And she wrestled with her dislike of what she saw in the church. Uh, she had a time where she believed she could just follow Jesus but reject the church, reject Christian community, but eventually worked through these issues to see God's provision of grace through the church. And this is what she says. When my faith had become little more than an abstraction a set of propositions to be affirmed or denied, the tangible, tactile nature of the sacraments, communion, baptism, confession, etc., invited me to touch, taste, smell, hear, and see God in the stuff of everyday life again. They got God out of my head and into my hands. They reminded me that Christianity isn't meant to simply be believed. It's meant to be lived, shared, eaten, spoken and enacted in the presence of other people. They reminded me that try as I may, I can't be a Christian on my own. I need a community. I need the church. So my goal today is not to tell you to turn up to church more. <laughs> it's not to tell you that if you've been gone for a while to come on back. If that's all you take away from today's sermon, I will have missed the mark. Instead, what I hope today will be is a kickstarter to an honest conversation between you and God about your heart towards his church. How you engage Christian community. Christian community is a vehicle of God's grace and I don't want any single one of us to miss out on the lavishness of this grace that is to be enjoyed. And I think if we have these honest conversations, we can let the Holy Spirit change our hearts. We can let the Holy Spirit change our hearts to see the grace he gives us through church and community, to grow in operating in that grace more. And I think you'll find your life richer for it. So if you want that, I'm gonna pray 
and I just invite you to pray along with me. That's not the end of the sermon. We're going on more. But let's just prepare our hearts. And if that's something you want, I invite you to prepare your heart before God. Heavenly Father, we do come before you and we recognize that the church is your bride. It is what you have given to us. It is a place uh, where you want to show us more of your grace towards us. And Father, I recognize that every person in this room is coming with different experiences of church, some good, some negative, some traumatic. But Lord, I pray that in this time that you would use these words, that you would use these passages, Father, to start changing our mind, to see that maybe there's a different perspective we can have on what it is to be a Christian community under you. Father, I pray if there's any of my words that are in this, uh, that you would just let them fall away from our ears. Uh, And Lord, that you would be speaking to every single one of us uh, and that we would be growing in the understanding of your grace towards us. In Jesus' name, amen. So this whole month, we're looking at God's grace. So you're going to get a slathering of grace this month. And when I say the word grace, uh, it's always an interesting word, right? Because we're so used to using the word grace when we're saying about the beginning of a meal and giving thanks. Uh, I was a child in the 90s. Hook was a great movie in the 90s. If anyone, does anyone else remember this scene? Yes. Okay, we're showing our age, yes. Um, But it's actually a joke that has been said many, many times. My nephews have done it many, many times. Let's say grace. Grace, let's eat, right. But grace is far more than just giving thanks before a meal. Grace, as God describes it in his word, the Bible, is something far greater and far more beautiful. Grace is God's unmerited favour and goodness towards us. That means God's love and kindness to us, even though we don't deserve it and cannot earn it. Philip Yancey said this, God loves people because of who God is, not because of who we are. We cannot earn God's love and yet he gives it to us because he is love. As it says in Psalms, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Through salvation, we became his children. We are identified now in him and not ourselves. And so we too learn to live and operate in his grace. And not because of who we are, but because of whose we are, we learn how to extend that grace to others. It's a great theoretical idea, right? Let's all live in more grace, the grace of God. But how do we learn that? How do we actually come to a new way of living where we are living in God's grace, where we are extending his grace out? As Bob George says this in in the book, Growing in Grace, we have approached the Christian life as a subject to be learned rather than as a life to be lived. You cannot grow in grace in a classroom. You can only grow in grace through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ who teaches you truth from his word which you then take out into the rough and tumble of real life in the real world. If you think that you can learn and walk more purposefully after Jesus, the giver of grace, on your own, struggling to understand it in isolation while just reading every book you can buy from Kurong, you're sorely mistaken. It's been my experience and that of many others that learning to live in God's love 
learning to extend God's love and grace to those who don't deserve it is learned when we are in community with one another, when we're walking intentionally with one another. It's through the deliberate decision we make to embrace and invite a deeper connection with community, warts and all, to learn what it is that God's love is extended to us and how God's love can flow through us to others who don't deserve it. And I'm going to tell you why. That's all right. Even if you don't believe me, I'm going to convince you why. Through community, God exposes our need for grace. Through community, God encourages our heart with his movements of grace. And through community, God leads us to understand and, ex- uh, sorry, God enlarges our capacity to extend grace to others. Let's break that down. Through community, God exposes our need for grace and our struggle to receive and accept the grace that is extended to us. Grace sounds awesome. Why wouldn't we all just be receiving it so easily? Galatians 5.4 says this, You who are trying uh, to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. I don't like thinking of myself as bad, as fallen, as not measuring up. My pride makes me want to always put my best foot forward. I always try and earn favour. Always try and let people see all the good things and not the weaknesses and the grot and the dirtiness of me. I want people to think of me as a good person. I want people to not take pity on me, but to think of me as strong. I want to be able to help people who are in need, but I don't want to ever have to need anyone. Does anyone else resonate with this kind of feeling? Yeah. We don't like people seeing our weaknesses. But to receive grace means that we have to acknowledge that we are weak and we need Christ. And the beautiful thing about community is that it is a tangible way that God shows us this pride that exists in our heart. I am renowned for being someone who forgets to receive people's help, struggles to receive people's help. I've been eight months pregnant and still trying to lift things on this stage. And every time that happens, there is an opportunity and an invitation the Holy Spirit prompts my heart with that helps me identify, hey, what is the pride that exists within me that means I will not receive the help or love or kindness from the community God has placed around me? And it helps me reflect upon how often am I not willing to receive the love and kindness of God to me? How often am I trying to earn my way into God's good graces? If I am in community, if I am transparent in community and having genuine community, I can't maintain the facade of not having weaknesses for very long. Community forces me to recognise my weaknesses. Philip Yancey says this, Grace means that there is nothing I can do to make God love me more and there is nothing I can do to make God love me less. It means that I, even I who deserve the opposite, am invited to take my place at the table in God's family. When we go through things that are hard to bear, we have the opportunity to receive the grace of God through the hands of the community that he has placed around us. 
and they help us see if our hearts are open to receiving the grace of God or rejecting it. It's only when I recognise my inability, my lacking, my weakness, my need and stop trying to earn things that I can receive God's gift of grace towards me. James 4, 6 says this, he gives, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. The second point is that through community, God encourages our heart with his movements of grace. When we choose to embrace community and live in authenticity and vulnerability with one another, we are able to see the movements of God's grace in one another's lives. I am able to be encouraged, spurred on, challenged in my acceptance of God's grace as I see his abundant favour on other people's lives. As I see them crying out and acknowledging their weakness and their desperation and their request, I am blessed to be in community with them and see God's grace extended to them. If people in community are not willing to be vulnerable with one another, we are all the, the poorer for it. I would not have seen God's grace work incredible miracles had people not been vulnerable in community with me. I would not have been able to see God's grace in restoring a marriage that looked like it was at the end of its road. I would not have been able to see uh, God change people's lives who have addictions or personal wrestles that should have ruined their lives and yet by God's grace, they are restored. I wouldn't have been able to see the grace of God extended to someone who has been a wretch but now walks in the confident identity in Christ. When we hold back and not allow ourselves to be a part of community or transparent to community, we actually hold back the ability of God to shine his grace through our lives to the community around us. When we live authentically in community, acknowledging in humility our weakness, we bless others. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 10 says this, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, this is Paul speaking, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. While I am sure that you have also, like me, seen people of the church be quick to jump on the bandwagon of shaking a finger at someone who has fallen from grace and messed up. I have also seen people of the church be the place of love and restoration, the displayers of God's grace to people who, have not, who are not deserving of it, who have messed up. And it is not because of who that person is, but it is because of whose we are as the church. Finally, through community, God enlarges our capacity to extend grace to others. When I'm in community, as I expressed before, I'm forced to recognise and see who I really am. I'm forced to see my lack of grace towards others, my lack of love towards others in my own strength, and my need for God to help me grow in it. When I'm surrounded by a whole lot of people in the church, I'm surrounded by people who maybe I wouldn't naturally gravitate to normally. Right now, you're sitting in a group of people, and if you were just trying to make a social club, there'd be a whole lot of people in this room you probably wouldn't invite. 
There might even be people that you're in proximity right now with in the church who have hurt you in the past. Unless, of course, you left when someone hurt you, left a church when someone hurt you. I am daily and weekly, when I'm in Christian community, confronted and challenged by my inability to love everyone and forgive anything. But when I'm by myself, oh, I'm so abounding in love. I'm so loving, so forgiving when I'm by myself. But put me in community and I quickly see the level of my hardness of heart, my lack of forgiveness, my expectation of people to earn my love. Philip Yancey said, all of us in the church need grace-healed eyes to see the potential in others for the same grace that God has so lavishly bestowed on us. In community, I recognise my need for the Holy Spirit to be refining the selfish, hating old self of me and transforming and renewing my mind and my heart to love and extend God's grace and forgiveness to people who do not deserve it, deserve it, not because of who they are, not because of who I am, but because of whose I am. In his great book, Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer outlines this. God's grace speedily shatters our ideals of community. Just as surely as God desires to lead us to a knowledge of genuine Christian fellowship, so surely must we, must we be overwhelmed by a great disillusionment with others, with Christians in general, and if we are fortunate, with ourselves. Only that fellowship that faces such disillusionment with its unhappy and ugly aspects begins to be what it should be in God's sight, begins to grasp in faith the promise that is given to it. Thus, the very hour of disillusionment with my brother or sister in Christ becomes incomparably salutary because it so thoroughly teaches me that neither of us can live, ever live by our own words and deeds, but only by that one word and deed which really binds us together, the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. As we do life together, as we embrace community, God teaches us what it means to truly walk and live in the abundant grace of Jesus. And it is abundant, as it says in John 1. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. And in community, we have the opportunity to daily extend that grace to one another and others from the abundant grace of God. God's grace is so immense, we will never run out of it even with that person that really tests it. At SCC, we've written down some values that are things that we want our community to be known by. They're these. We are loving. We are gracious. We are generous. We are real with each other. We are committed to each other. When we say these words and express these values, we're not trying to create some utopian community in our own power. This is also not us trying to list our sales points to you if you're looking for a church. We're expressing these values because they align with who Christ is and we are his and so we want to be a community that is distinctively Christ's. We want to be a community that both lives in the daily reality of God's grace to us and extends grace to others. We want to be in this community because it is the place in which God will keep refining our hearts to more reflect his, to more operate in his grace and extend his grace.
So, it's 2023. What is going to be different about this year as opposed to your last year? If you were disappointed by this church or another church last year, what's going to mean you're not disappointed again this year? If you were withdrawing or not engaging community as much uh, last year, what's going to change for this year? If last year church was just a chore or an obligation, you'd turn up after the meet and greet time or you'd skip out before the morning tea or you'd avoid being in a life group or you'd be in a life group but avoid being vulnerable and authentic and sharing in any way or you found yourself making more and more excuses of why you couldn't engage Christian community, what is going to change in 2023? I can tell you right now that nothing that we do here as SEC is likely going to change significantly enough for your frustrations to be alleviated or for this group of people to be one you want to commit to more. The only thing that will be able to change is your heart, your enjoyment, your connection, your feelings towards the church. The choice is yours concerning whether you let this be a year where you let God change your understanding of his grace to you and how he extends his grace through you as you invest and engage in authentic, transparent community. It will it require you to embrace the opportunity to be authentic, to be transparent, to, to receive the love of a community without trying to earn it, <laughs> to see people who you know don't earn your love and yet rest on God's strength to extend it to them. If that sounds good to you, if that's something you want to do, let me give you a more concrete action you can take. In the next week, be in prayer with God to have an honest conversation about your heart towards church and invite him to change your understanding of his grace towards you through community. And then call or text and set up a regular time with one or two other believers to meet up and start to go deeper in community. I'm going to finish up here, but I want to share this one last thing with you. I used to really not like church. I always hated it when the seats in front were a bit too far away so I couldn't lean on them hard enough when the worship was happening, because I was really bored. I was tired. I got bored. Intimate times of Christian community, like life groups, felt really awkward and uncomfortable because they exposed my social anxiety, my social awkwardness. I'd put my foot in my mouth, and then I'd feel, oh, feel crappy afterwards. I longed for deeper connection, the kind of connection that's talked about in here of the brothers and sisters in Christ, and yet I really struggled, though, to show my weaknesses in front of other Christian people because then they would see how much I don't measure up as a Christian. They'd see my warts and all. I felt frustrated by the issues I saw in Christian community and angry when I would see people hurt by the church or by Christian community, and thought, if I just change my external surroundings, if I change churches, tried doing that, that'll fix it. That didn't work. Tried doing that thing with friends that we went, let's do church in a completely new way. Yeah, we have a way of doing it that's rejecting all the old and it's really true to the word. 
That didn't change things either. The same issues still existed for me. What changed? It was only when I stopped looking at how the church suited me and my experience of it and instead focused on God and his heart for his church and for me that my attitude to the church changed. Because when I look at Jesus, all I can see is grace extended to me. If I look at my life honestly, I recognise that I am weak and in need of his grace. And if I live by that, then I see these opportunities of community as opportunities inviting me to live more in the grace of God because who cares if people know my weaknesses? It just shows the glory and grace of God all the more. And it invites me to extend God's grace to people who I know don't deserve it, but because it's not about them, it's about him that we extend it. I'm committed to this church. And it's not because I work here. It's not because this is a better church than all the other ones on the coast. It's not. It's not because I'm super holy and abounding in God's love. I'm not. I'm committed because when I exposed my heart to Jesus and his work in my life to the Holy Spirit, he just started, started to develop a love in me for his church for his community, for his bride, warts and all. That in this place, not this physical place, but in this place as a community of believers gathered together under the name of Christ, looking to him, to worship him, to live by uh, his grace and his power, while there is so many opportunities for damage, for hurt, There is also so many opportunities to see the beauty of God's love and grace to each of us daily. There is so much opportunity for the world to see the beauty of God's grace working through his people. And there is so much opportunity for us to grow in grace and be refined and sanctified by it as God extends his grace through us to others. I want to invite you to let 2023 be a different kind of year in how you engage his church, his community, his bride. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and Lord, Lord, this sermon isn't going to change us. <laughs> it's only by your Holy Spirit that we are changed. It's only by us coming before you with broken and contrite hearts, with humility and saying, we need your grace, Lord. We need you. That you will start to change our minds and our perspectives. Father, it is only by your Holy Spirit that our hearts towards your church will change, that we will be able to forgive the hurts of the past if we've experienced those, that we will be able to let go of, of the illusions that we've had about what Christian community is supposed to be. That we will be able to celebrate how you have disillusioned us from what it used to be to actually see what the church truly can be. 
this place of ragtag sinners, wretches that are saved by your amazing grace, that live and dwell in your amazing grace day by day. And Lord, may day by day we learn more and more what that is, learn more and more the beauty, the expansiveness, the amazingness of your grace towards us and how you long for us both as individuals and as a community of believers, to be vessels of your grace to others. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys.